So uh, good to see everybody tonight. And uh, uh, there was a handout that was handed out. This is actually going to be just for homework afterwards to go and kind of think over some things and just kind of delve a little bit deeper into it. Um, on the second one, the first sentence, it, it should not say uh, depression is in. It's not in. It's not cool. It's supposed to say depression is sin is what it says there. So and that, that put an S in front of that there. So uh, I apologize for that. But thank you for catching it. All right. So where we ended up uh, last week, we did a we, we started off with the Barney Rubble level of definition of sin, or excuse me, of depression, and then we started getting deeper and deeper and deeper into it, and then we got to the point where we started describing it at a more clinical level, and now we're getting to the point where we're actually going to get into the actual um, psychological depression, which is what we deal with on more of a regular basis, and we see current day, uh, there's, there's all different levels of it, um, it could be as we see on the board here, normal depression, uh, mass depression, neurotic depression, or psychotic depression. And we're going to uh, jump into each one of these and just kind of give a definition behind it so that way we can get a feeling for the different levels of depression that there are out there. And uh, let's, let's get with it. So the first one is normal depression. Uh, this is also known as situational or reactive depression, okay? With this... It's an involuntary reaction to a painful pressure, and I gotta find my hearts here because I love my hearts. Remember, we had the uh, little uh, example of the heart being under pressure, but it actually rebounding back. So that's situational depression. Uh, the normal response to life uh, pressing down to, on the heart for a short period of time. So it's a it's a quick negative thing that happens in your life. It's something that kind of catches you off guard, maybe, but it's it's for a short period of time. You respond to it in an appropriate way, and you're able to move on with it. You kind of have a preset disposition on how you're going to deal with things in your life. Uh, examples of this are rejection, failure, illness. Um, who, who's, who's dealt with any of these things? Probably every hand's going to go up here, right? Uh, either it's been a sickness uh, that you've had, or it's been a sickness that maybe someone in your family's had. Um, failure, king of it here. Uh, hit that one several times, <laughs> falling short on several things in my life, that's okay. Always trying to be better. Been rejected. Um, Michelle finally said yes, so we're thankful for that, so we moved on with that one. Um, you know, other normal depression is the, the transitional stages of life that often press the heart down. And these are adolescence, empty nest syndrome, uh, grief over maybe losing a loved one, whether it's a parent, a sibling, a husband or wife, a child. Um, it's a midlife crisis, major moves, menopause, retirement. I was going through and I have like four or five of these. So, you know, there's not a person in here that hasn't experienced these. Adolescence, the first one, right? So these are all just normal pressures of life. Obviously, losing a loved one is traumatic. Going through a midlife crisis, it, it can be traumatic. Um, menopause, I, I can't imagine what goes through women's bodies whenever they're, they're struggling with that. There's all these things that are just natural. They're just part of our lives. So let's see what some of the common signs of these are. Uh, Self-doubt, worry, fear, forgetfulness, anger, sadness, diminished joy, maybe some irritability. Hello, Jasmine. Uh, you know, uh, activity patterns being upset, 
maybe loss of appetite, sleep difficulty, and the last one's important, but no thoughts of suicide. And you're going to see with each one of these four, as we go through, we're going to address a bullet point for suicide because it's something that we need to keep top of mind. But this list right here, who's ever had a bad day at work? Who's hit every one of those almost? Almost, right? You know, it's one of those things that these are common things. Man, I've worried about things. I've had doubt. I've, I've feared about things. But then I respond and I get on with it. You know, it's it's a, a situation that arises. I react to it and then I move on. Right? Uh, it impacts everybody. There's no no uh, getting away from it. It's just that's life. Right? So let's jump into the next one. Mask depression. Uh, this is what we call hidden depression, very common. It's a state of buried, unresolved conflict. So what we're going to get into is the things that were in the situational depression, we didn't get over them. And now we're masking our feelings around it. Uh, true painful feelings are denied or covered up. We're trying to not let people see them. Suffer loss, work stress, relationship stress family stress, failure, expectations on yourself or expectations that you put on other people that they might not be uh, hitting. And so with these things, these are things that they could go on for long periods of time and you just, you, you just are getting frustrated with them and they're bugging you and they're just eating at you, but you don't want anybody to see it, right? You're masking it. you got to put on this, this fake face so people think that everything's okay. Relief from pain and unconsciously focusing on self-effort or excessive activity. This is, who here is a workaholic? Now, I'm not saying that that's a, that's a telltale sign that you just got depression. Some of us just love to work. But also, some of us might work a lot to stay away from other things. You know, maybe not face the true problem in our lives. So, some people become workaholics. Uh, they keep putting on a facade and making it look like everything is a-okay, uh, they stress eat, or they over-invest in things. And when I say over-invest, that might mean maybe they uh, find a hobby and they just delve into it and they just block out the whole world and that's all that they spend their time doing. They just cut off reality. Um, it's their way of kind of masking it, look, making it look like everything is okay. Common signs of this are going to be self-inflation. So, hey, I got this. I got this covered. Uh, appearance of invincibility. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I'm good. Who's ever said that? Right? Got hands going up. Uh, disorganized thoughts, suppressed anger, distraction, uh, self-sacrifice, judgmentalism. A lot of times people have issues going on in their lives, but then they get real judgy with other people because they don't want that focus to be on them, right? So they get real judgy about other people. But really, the problem is themselves. They're not facing the problem. And so they get judgmental with other people. Uh, increased activity, which we kind of already addressed. Weight gain because they're doing distress eating. Uh, less need for sleep. Last bullet point. Unspoken thoughts of suicide. This is when people start thinking about it. Now, it's hard to, to see this sign in somebody else, right? Because it's what? It's unspoken, right? So this is good to know. If maybe you're delving deep with someone and they let it slip, or there's something that comes out, or maybe you've had those thoughts, right? Maybe it's a telltale sign for you to go, maybe, 
maybe I got a problem. Maybe there's something that I need to do to, to solve my problem and what I'm doing is not working, right? This is more common than you think. That list, when you look at it, once again, who, who suffered from those things? Whenever maybe there was some, something big going on in your life and you weren't responding to it the way that you thought you should. It's really a lot more common than people would think. And that's scary because we're introducing that last bullet, right? And that's, now we're starting to get really serious, right? So if, if in fact uh, you, you think that you have a problem with that, it's okay to seek out help. You need to go talk to somebody. You need to, to, to find a band of Christians that you can just sit down and, and pour your heart out to, right? But it's also okay, and I want to make sure people know this, it's okay to go see someone who's a professional, right? We already discovered I'm not a doctor. Are you a doctor? I'm not a doctor. Okay. <laughs> Elliot, are you a doctor? No, can you think Okay. Oh, hey, there you go. Lots of So, So here's the deal. It's okay to go see a doctor. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, there's biological things that we'll talk about a little bit later on that impact people that you might not have control over it and you might be starting to go down a path to go beyond the mass depression to get into the actual <coughs> clinical depression that we're going to be talking about soon. So pay attention to these signs. Let's start getting into the actual clinical. This is the neurotic depression and they actually titled this as a minor depressive disorder. And with a minor, minor uh, depressive disorder, when it's called a disorder, that means that the person's normal functioning of life is starting to be impaired. Uh, a person with this disorder, they actually call them clinically depressed. So, clinical means you need what? Medical Maybe some help, right? Okay. So, let's define it. <clears throat> a prolonged state of depression longer than the normal amount of time frame needed for uh, recovery. You know I'm going to do it. Right? The heart got mushed down with the heavy burdens of stress, and we haven't figured out how to get it off of our heart, right? What's the first thing that we need to do? Ask God. Turn it over to God. You can just talk about something. We need to turn it over to God, right? <coughs> he is our hope. But if we're doing that, and things aren't getting lightened off of our heart, should we talk to maybe a brother or sister in Christ? Maybe should we take a little further and, and maybe talk to someone who's a professional in that area? It's okay, right? But it's the, the burden on the heart is, is staying longer than it should. The, the symptoms interfere with normal biological and social activities. It might start affecting chemicals in your mind, in your brain. Do you have control over that? Can you just say, chemicals stop? <laughs> no, you can't. It might start affecting your social activities. You might start becoming like an introvert or something and just pulling away from the people that are around you, the people that love you, the people that probably can help you the most, right? And also you start pulling away from your duties to serve the Lord. So it kind of creates this spiral down because you're pulling away from all the people that are there that love you and help you. And the cause can usually be traced to a precipitating event. With this one, you usually can go, it was a death of a loved one. It was a divorce. It was a traumatic, violent experience, uh, maybe like uh, someone who's in the military. It can be traced back usually in these situations to a specific thing that caused that spiral. All right, 
some common signs. Very self-critical. Uh, who here has known people that just are always sick? They're just always sick. Now, there are some people out there that are truly sick, right? I, I'm not negating that at all. But there's some people out there, they have every sickness under the sun. What's this new carnivirus or whatever it is? There's going to be people thinking that they have that, that, that might have depression. And I'm not trying to make light of it, but when people have depression, it manifests itself in them always thinking maybe that they're sick or they always have a headache that's worse than their, their headache really is. They always are sicker at their stomach than they really are. And what happens is, this is not always the case, but it's a telltale sign. And it's hard to talk to someone and, and you don't go up and tell them that, hey, you're not sick. Of course, you don't do that. But you need to recognize that someone that is always professing to be sick or always have the latest sickness, there might be a deeper issue with them that needs to be worked out because they're getting caught up in this and they just can't find happiness and they're always feeling down. And they might truly feel sick to their stomach, but it's not because they're really sick. It's because of the depression just eating at them internally. Um, inability to uh, make decisions, anger, hopelessness, uh, no pleasure. Uh, when we, in the last class, asked uh, what are some things that people have experienced with that and just dark cloud, just not enjoying life, you know, that kind of that night filter that we talked about. Uh, you know, apathy, you just don't really care about anything. You diminished activity. What's interesting, you have diminished activity, but you're still losing weight. Uh, that's, that's a pretty good telltale sign because those two really don't go at, hand in hand. I know whenever I diminish my activity, I gain weight, right? Um, they uh, es escape by sleeping, so they're sleeping all the time. They wake up late. They're always in their pajamas. Uh, this was interesting. They manipulate people by threatening suicide. It's actually a plea for help. They don't know that it's a plea for help. And it's something that we need to truly listen for. But people who are starting to get into this minor depressive disorder, they actually will call out in ways. And they, oh, yes. The manipulation by threatening suicide, in that it kind of implies that it's an intentional manipulation. And that's not always the case. In it's fact, not. They may not realize they're trying to manipulate others or insinuate themselves into a situation by doing that. So Right. No, no, you're, you're spot on. The manipulation isn't necessarily just to try to get sympathy or, or try to get their way. They're, they're, they're reaching out in a way to get you to react. They're manipulating your actions is, is what that is intended to say. Um, there might be some that do it for but do they, my point is, are they intentionally, is it something they're conscious, they're conscious that they're doing it? I, you my know, once experience again, has been that it's not, sure. that they don't seem to realize they're doing it. But I can see how some would intentionally use it. But I don't think it's necessarily something they're aware of. My guess is there's a gradiated scale and it's everywhere from one end to the other. Once again, there, when I started the class, I said, there's some things I won't have the answer for. I don't know. Um, but I'm sure that there are probably are some that do do it for true manipulation of a person to get what they want. And there's other people that do it 
not knowing that they're doing it, but it's manipulating the people around them to react to them. But good point. Suicide by cop. Yes. Could it be that <clears throat> that whether it's intentional or unintentional, if they are rewarded by that by that uh, means of uh, threatening suicide, then that would, if they're rewarded positively by it, then you're going to get more of it. Uh, if, 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 if that's not rewarded, then possibly that would, uh, that would diminish if it's just a threatening kind of a thing. Um, so they may be doing the manipulation and either not knowing it or at least subconsciously doing more of it because people reward them for that activity. Right. And I think this is where, as friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, if someone gets to this point where they're starting to do this, this is not where we just give them what they want, we just try to appease them. This is where we try to get them to do this. Because this is not pleasant for someone to go through. It's embarrassing, things like that. It's only embarrassing for them. We truly want them to get the help that they need. But this is where if we are a friend or a family member and we notice something or we hear somebody that, that is saying things about suicide, stuff like that, we proactively try to get them to get professional help. Because we don't want to go to the next level where it's, it's true thoughts of it. Um, and by just by giving in to people that are threatening it, Mitch, you're right on. I don't think, once again, I'm not a doctor, I don't think that's going to have any positive impact on them. If anything, it might create somewhat of a reoccurrence of it. And I think they're, they're in that black space place where they're not thinking clearly, they're not rationalizing, they're not really, I mean the manipulation probably comes because they're in such a dark place and they're not necessarily thinking it all through, it's just, it's almost like a, an animal's way of doing it where you're, you're just kind of stumbling through it. Well, and, and as we go through these different <clears throat> disorders, the very next disorder that we're going to talk about, it talks about people not being irrational. Mm -hmm. They're not rational in their thought process. And so, if this is a scale that's progressing, as you get to this one, it's going to start taking over into that next one where people aren't thinking rational. And they're going to be saying things that they don't necessarily mean or whatever it might be. Anybody have anything else? So this, um, the point that you're at here is kind of like, would it be you saying, like, what is this all about? Like, if you see a person questioning, well, why, why am I even here, or what am I doing here, would that be considered this, or is that the step before? You know, I, I would say if someone's just asking a question, you know, why am I here, I, I, wouldn't, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't look at that and go, ooh, that's suicidal thoughts. Yeah. I would look at that as they're really struggling with something, and let's sit down and, and talk and dig into scriptures. Let's, let's find out what's truly eating at them, because there's a core thing that's that's bugging them or, or causing them to make these feel have these feelings. So would I say those are thoughts of suicide or threatening suicide by manipulation? No, I, I wouldn't say that because, you know, man, things happen. Like, why does that happen? Why, why am I even here? That, that's not suicidal. That's just, I'm struggling with the situation. But that's a call out for help, right? I would say. Mm -hmm. No? Okay. Anybody else? Yes. Jason, I have a question about, because we've talked a little bit about, you know, um, not wanting to positively, necessarily encourage this kind of behavior. Um, I wonder how you're supposed to um, 
make sure that person's safe uh, without without positively reinforcing it. Because I know uh, in my family I've had situations where people actually committed suicide, right. and and there wasn't maybe steps taken when they were threatening sure. to do it, and then it actually happened. So you know where 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 do you consider drawing the line there? Well, um, and there's probably people in here that can speak to this better than I could because there's people that have dealt with this more on a personal nature. In law enforcement, we dealt with it a lot uh, because there is a lot of suicide in law enforcement. And so when people were struggling with uh, thoughts of suicide and or struggling with maybe they were involved in a shooting or they saw some type of death that was traumatic for them to see, we would just deep dive with them and just sit down and start talking and having conversations and truly just try to get a feel for where they were at. Um, we call it a critical incident stress management team, and I was on that. Um, and it's one of those things that it's just deep diving and dialogue with them to try to just get a feel for what's really the core of it. And then if, if in fact, you truly feel like there are, are things that, uh, thoughts that might come to fruition like suicide, there's hotlines out there. There's people that you can call. There's professional groups out there. That you can you can try to get people committed. There's there's all these different things, and you know it's one of those things. If someone just says, "Man, I don't know why I'm living," you don't automatically call up and say, "Hey, I need to get this." Yeah, I'm not saying that, but you have this wide variety of things that are available to you beyond just conversation and studying the Bible and just trying to deep dive with them. Um, but also make sure they're not alone. Um, loneliness is one of the worst things for depression because the mind just starts spiral, spiraling down and these things that they might have signs of seem to get amplified. And so by making sure they're not alone, they always have someone there to talk to and things like that, that can help minimize it and also you can help work them through. Maybe they come up with a negative thought, you show them the sunshine side of it and things like that. And I think you're saying, I mean, in a way, you're not being dismissive by saying, well, I'm not giving in to your manipulation. You're, you're actually reading it as a cry for help right. and, and actually taking that step instead of whatever they might be trying to get you to do instead. Right. So the, probably the not giving in is don't, don't let them take you down this other path that's not really where they need to be going, but look at it and take them down the step that will get them the help they need. You might be their only reason. <clears throat> and so you're not really dismissing it. You're, you're actually responding to it, but you're not going down the path they want you to. You're going down a more positive path that will do something for them instead. And I didn't mean to imply at all that be dismissive. Oh, no. no, uh, no I think they'll hit right on the head. Yeah. That's what I was hoping. Right. That, that you're just not going to do what they hope that you do, right. you're going to give them another option that maybe that's less uh, less harmful or whatever <clears throat> to try to get them to go the right right direction. But I, I don't mean by any stretch right. that you dismiss this. No, yeah, they, might, they might be trying to get you to uh, to come back and be with them, for instance, and, and what they really need is help, not right. that. And so giving in to them, as Mitch said, would have been, okay, then I'll come back with you instead of no, you actually need help. Right. Let's go fix that before we do any of the rest of this. May I say one other thing? I, and, you know, this is my first class in here, and, and like the rest of us, probably had two, two classes in college, so, you know, the extent of my knowledge. But uh, 72 years on the earth gives you quite a bit of background. But um, my history has been when, when people threaten, 
whether it's, I used to have a lot of industrial engineers that reported to me, and when one would come to me threatening to leave, they're as good as gone. They're not going right then. Or when people threaten to leave the, the church without some sort of intervention, they're as good as gone. It may be a year or two or whatever, but once people start threatening things and enough time goes by without intervention, without intervention, they'll act out on those things right. Right. And, and they'll follow through with what they've been threatening for, for a year or two or five or whatever. Right. Now that's not talking about maybe this context, but the principle could be the same. Sure. Absolutely. I agree. Kim, you, you raise your hand a moment ago. Um, you have background. I think a little bit too, and this is just my opinion, I'm not anything clinical, but when you see a manipulation is a lot different than saying, you know, making statements of wanting to commit suicide. So what I found is sometimes it is, you know, odd and sometimes awkward, but asking that direct question. Um, so you know, you know, what route you want to take with it, whether it is that, you know, getting in those other things. Um, sometimes too what I've seen is when they're making those statements they maybe it's because they don't feel seen so when somebody is listening to them and people are you know even if it's just going through that intake they're getting that attention somebody's talking to them for an hour and a half which is not what they're getting so sometimes that's it too is that they just want to be seen and they don't and like I said it's not not that manipulation of that but you know sometimes it's just they get some needed attention and they feel noticed right. sometimes. Absolutely. Sometimes I need it. Patty, and then, then we'll um, move on. One of the things that keeps going through my head is everybody's talking about their personal experiences with it. Something that I think has, at least based on things, I mean, I've had, I've gone to professionals for counseling and stuff, so, you know, to be fair, it, I want to say that, but I have found that one of the most effective ways to approach someone who's in a really dark place and reach them is if you can meet them where they are mm -hmm. emotionally. I mean, you may not even be able to imagine where they are, right. but at least in dealing with them, sometimes it it's counterproductive if when they say something terribly negative you just come back with a, the bright side because sometimes right. that's like the furthest thing right you know they just won't understand that so it's really important I think when you're especially when it's somebody you know and you're you get where what they've been through and stuff then if you can meet them and talk to them at their level where they are and approach it from that standpoint and it gets tricky but it's that has always seemed to be more effective i think and is there a tip or a way to do that patty <laughs> how do you get to that to that level it's i'm just curious i mean i'd yeah. love to know that yeah it is it's hard because it's the things i mean thankfully the things that some of them may be experiencing you have never even imagined so it is hard to do that, but I mean, studying, you know, reading a lot. Of course, the Bible can always guide you, but it, it is, it's very hard to get in a, to understand where they are if it right. gets to the suicide right. point. And one of the things about suicide, and this is just 
from <clears throat> kind of some training that I've had. Um, if if someone has a plan of a method or something like that, that's when you need to really be in tune with them. Because if they have a plan or some type of method and they've thought it that far, then they're at true risk. Because that means they've thought that far. It's not just, hey, I'm thinking about killing myself. It's, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. Um, and if they got to the point where they're starting to write things down, that's also a true sign that you need to be um, very in tune with what's going on. But thank you. That's very good insight from everybody. Uh, Sam, you have one thing and then I, we're, we're going to move on. Um, I was just going to say a tip, because um, I went to go see a psychiatrist for my depression, uh -huh. and a tip that I ended up picking up on for my other friends who suffer from it is we all go through different things and experience them at different levels. But if you, if you can figure out like their core point, like one of my core points was um, some stuff that happened when I was two and younger. So I talked to others that went through the same type of thing and we ended up talking about it and hit our own core points within the discussion and it made it feel a little bit better and it caught, got me out of that dark place. So if you can pinpoint where it's coming from, even if they just mention it by a flash, um, if you can relate to that at all, it would definitely be beneficial for them. It'll cause them to think that someone else understands how they're feeling so they don't feel as alone and as desperate to end their lives and, and you know pull them into the verse of the Bible, because that was also very helpful when it came to that point once my mind was settled. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I don't, may I say that? <laughs> I, I, I'm just, well, that, that was such a powerful statement right there, and what Patty said, too. Yeah, so it sounds to me like on my Forrest Gump level that, that we have to unmask mm -hmm. some way all of this complex stuff that people with PhDs would have trouble with certainly people like us, but are there ways, and I, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but how do we get to the level that she mentioned where it goes back, how do we unmask all of that, or can we, to, to get to the root cause of why these things are going on? I, I don't know the answer. I think the key is 90% listening. Okay. At least, I would say, I, you know, I, I don't have an answer for that, but um, I would say at, at, at the beginning, or at the, the most part, you got to listen more than you talk. And then also, I think also with that empathy, and don't try to say, I understand, because you don't understand probably. Be empathetic. That's frustrating. That, that, that must make you feel, you know, you, it, it's all about them at that moment. I'm not saying give in to any type of manipulation, but it's all about them. It's not I, I, I. Listen, and it's about them. Yes. I was just going to oh, sorry. part yes. of all of that. I think to say to them, I really want to understand where you're at. Right. And that's an inroad to some of these. I mean, if you start listening and and let them know that you really do want to help them and right. to understand where they're coming from. And if, if you can't and you know someone that does had a similar situation, put them together. Sure. No, absolutely. Then they will understand each other. Most definitely. <clears throat> All right. So psychotic depression. This is a major depressive disorder. This is this is <clears throat> at the highest level. <coughs> Once again, it, it impacts their lives to the point where they can't function normally. But this one is to the point where it's a severe state of depression, which uh, it's a psychosis that involves <clears throat> disassociation. 
uh, and loss of contact with reality. And we were talking about earlier about they don't have a reality anymore. And so they might be saying or doing things that are just totally out there. Um, and with this, you know, it's hard to have a conversation and deep dive with someone that is a total loss of reality, correct? Uh, the person can experience hallucinations, delusions, and or even get to the point where they have schizophrenia. So last time I, I checked, I'm not qualified to deal with any of those, right? I don't know about any of you. Uh, I could be there to support them, show them love. However, um, you know, once we start getting to these signs, it's, it's truly they need professional help. Uh, Self-rejection, hallucinations, lack of judgment or reasoning, acute ang anger, schizophrenia. These people that have this level of depression can be dangerous to you and themselves. Um, and we need to show them love. We need to make sure that we give them the help that they need, but we also need to protect ourselves to a certain extent. Uh, they can be, uh, they have no pleasure. They can be unresponsive. They can have catatonia where, it just, have you ever seen someone that just kind of stares off into, you know, they're not there mentally. Um, weight loss, severe insomnia, and they have the actual threats of suicide. It, it's not just a kind of manipulation thing, meaning trying to get you to respond to them. It, it's, they're truly thinking about it. They're, they're planning out a way, um, and they, they need help. This is something that is truly a clinical or professional uh, type scenario that they need help. All right, anything about that before we move on? That, that one, there's not much we can do for those people other than show them love and, and, and try to get them the help that they need, okay? All right, so now, how are depression and sin related? Is depression sin? Go. What? It's not? All right, right. It's not sin. Depression is not always directly tied to sin. Sin can cause depression, and depression can turn into sin, right? Uh, but they don't always go hand in hand. They're not always tied together. It has everything to do with how we respond to and or handle our depression. Depression becomes sin when we are depressed over the consequences of our sin and make no attempts to change. Uh, you can write down 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 and you can read about that. Depression becomes sin when we use it to manipulate others. Depression becomes sin when we uh, have self-pity and we're angry with people. Depression becomes sin when we continually blame God and or others for our unhappiness. Depression becomes sin when we dwell on, on unhappiness and are negative to other people. Depression becomes sin when we forgo our duties as a servant to God and or those who are around us. And depression becomes a sin when it rules us and our actions. Now, caveat. If someone has a true chemical balance. What's that? Imbalance. Imbalance. Thank you. She always cracks me. I love that. No, it's good. I want to be right. If someone has a chemical imbalance, is it sin for them to, to maybe have some of these things? No. That, that, you know, that's God's end of the stick. We're not going to get into that. But if someone is letting sin take over their lives and they're not, or sorry, depression take over their lives and it manifests it in ways in which they become sinful, that's where we're talking about here. But depression is not sin. Not at all. Yes, ma'am. Um, I was going to say, um, I know for me and my mother, um, we suffer from a chemical imbalance. Mine comes from a massive lack of vitamin D. 
So my depression comes from that state of mind uh, due to the lack of a balance and um, I guess it's nice to be conscious of that sometimes. That way it can help me avoid doing these things because I noticed when I first started off like 11th grade, um, I was starting to have a lot of resented anger against my family and I had a lot of self-pity and I started blaming at people for my own issues and then my parents figured out that maybe there was something wrong got my blood drawn and found out that I just had the chemical imbalance. So now I have to control as much as I can. If you know that it causes you to do all those things that aren't considered to be godly things. Mm -hmm. And you chose not to take your medicine. Do you think that would be wrong? Um, yeah. Right. That's the point. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we, if we don't know the source of the problem, though, we can't fix it. Right. If we're trying to fix something that's a chemical problem, we're, we're probably not going to get on top of it. Right. And that's why it's okay <clears throat> to go to a doctor. It's okay to get medicine. It's okay to, to have someone sit down and just talk with you. That's a professional. We need to make sure that we realize it's okay. There's no shame in it. Everybody needs help from time to time. <clears throat> All right. So how you respond to your hurt, how you respond to your losses in your life is important, right? Because Jesus, he cares about our hearts. He knows that when we are vulnerable uh, to depression, that's when our, our, our heart is its heaviest, right? So the Lord encourages us to what? Cast our cares upon him. So, can I get someone to read 1 Peter 5, verse 7? We always bring it back to this in the end when we have a discussion, right? Can I get someone to read that for me? Yeah. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Alright. What does he say to do with our anxieties? What's that mean? Just throw it, yeah. Okay, give it to him. What's that mean? Let's dig. What what does that mean? What's that look like? We relinquish it. What's that? Relinquish it. Pray to him. Talk to him. Know that he is powerful. And what's the second part of that say? He cares. Did he create us? Did he give his son to die for us? There's nobody that cares for us more than him. And there's nobody out there that knows us more than him. We gotta give our anxieties and our hurt and our stress over to God. All right, love you guys. So, if you haven't gotten the questions for the homework, I can make more copies. But this is just for you to kind of take a deep dive and just kind of think about some things and answer some questions. And we'll pick it back up on Sunday. All right, appreciate everybody's input. It's fantastic.